Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I am Todd A, and with me as always is... Is Taylor Trask. <laughs> so, uh, take two on episode six. Um, we we had some technical difficulties, which none of you would know. I didn't really need to confess that. Um, but we are now uh, rolling, and it sounds so much better to my ears. <laughs> I hope it does to yours too. Your, um, your voice is much more. Your your voice is always more warm and inviting than mine. So I have to. You're, oh. you're going to have the. I, I I need to. I need to sort of. I, I I sound a little shrill sometimes. And listening back to the old old episodes, you're like, hey, this this is this is my point. And I'm like, this is my point. And it just sort of. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> interesting dynamic. Interesting contrast. Well, that yeah, that's interesting that that's what you hear because of course I hear it back and I'm just like, oh, what is you know what am I doing? What is this? groaning noise that i'm making <laughs> taylor's right in the right frequency i was just sort of um, sounding like alec baldwin and just talk like this the whole time yeah was, we can have a, a, a voice talking uh, episode <laughs> um so today we are talking about uh the martian yes um uh, and it's just it's funny i'm i'm having it like there's like a i'm, I'm having like a brain delay in getting my thoughts together because <laughs> Because we started this last night and we got the intro done and then the technical problems put us off track. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now my brain is like, I think we just talked about this. Mm. But <laughs> well, let's, let's, start, let's start kind of as a, t- as a tail end from our last episode, which was about sci-fi and what is and isn't sci-fi and all that kind of stuff. Because one of the things we yes. didn't do was actually definitively say what some of our favorite sci-fi shows actually were. Or you know, not just shows, it could be anything. Um, and I think part of that was just because we were trying to, to define the question or define the answer to the question. So in doing so, we didn't really, you know, I, I think both of us are kind of like, well, we don't want to, def- you know, try to put something in that category if we're still trying to understand the category. But I guess for sure. you, what would be some of your, like, if you can name three to five things that are, that you consider sci-fi, that, you know, your stamp of approval, what would they be? Uh, <clears throat> thank you for kicking me back into line. Um, yes. Uh we, so part of that discussion was like science fiction versus science fantasy. And, you know, we both came down on, eh, you know, I mean, like, uh, I, I think we both came down on like, it, it doesn't really matter. So I will put in there Star Wars, mm-hmm. even though I recognize the argument that, that is science fantasy, you know, um, I, uh, but I mean, it's just such a, cla- you know, that's what I think of when I think of science fiction is like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm those movies from my childhood. So that's a really big one. Um, and then uh, a real recent one, um, you know, we've, we've talked comic books recently and I would say saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, ah, interesting. Yeah. Which um, I, I, we, when we have discussed before you have, you've raised the contention that that too may be fantasy. And, and, the, and I, I sort of hinted at this last night too, but when I, knowing I haven't read Saga yet. I just know what I've gleaned from you and from you know, perusing through trade paperbacks in the store. That at, at, at just on the surface feels like it's almost pure fantasy. But you say it's you. You would put it in the sci-fi camp because well, I, I'm applying those those uh, dumb or broad rules the same as as Star Wars, which is like it happens in space, you know. Gotcha. Uh, which which is funny that I would get caught. I mean, this whole this whole conversation is funny that I would get caught in that and. Um, uh, but I guess because it it concerns aliens and different planets and mm-hmm. you know rocket ships, I think sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, another uh, image comic that we have you know that I've brought up recently is Black Science, which I think we can we can pretty securely put in the sci-fi realm. Absolutely, yeah. When when I think and when people tell me about hard sci-fi, that's usually 
you know, the, not that story specifically, but the, what, what I kind of glean from black science, it definitely fits that comfortably. Right. Um, which is weird though, because there's such a Lovecraftian kind of vibe to it that, yeah, that's, I don't, point. you know, I don't know if, and I would always think of like, you know, Lovecraft stuff as more fantasy than sci-fi. So maybe that's where, hmm. and it, you know, at the end of the day to keep, keep this in mind, folks, like at the end of the day, it is whatever it, genres and, and these kind of categories are becoming less and less important in the grand scheme of things. But you know, for marketing purposes and for reaching niche audiences, I think that's where the basis of our conversation sort of came from last week. Like, you know, to reach those hardcore folks who really are like, this is sci-fi. Like, what you know, how you know, what is that approach? What you know, how are we framing it? Sure, and 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 as part of that is that what where you and I came down last week is we're, neither of us are hardliners. So if if mm-hmm. if someone wanted to contest that that was not hard sci-fi or that's more science fantasy or something, we're you know I'm just going to kind of shrug and go, yeah, okay, that's great. So I'm not I'm not really you know I'm not uh, trying to advocate to to pigeonhole it in, in something yeah, yeah. Over, over another. Um, and then and then uh, it's not that recent anymore, but I think District Nine just really put me. Yeah. Like that was just like a a big booming signal of like you know this this is a a new way that we're going to look at at science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, that movie really impacted me a lot. I mean, and probably even though I was really young when I saw the the first Alien and Aliens, I think mm-hmm. I really think it was that kind of impact to me. You know, mm-hmm. wow. So what about now, what yourself? Why do you think it was? No, well, let me ask you this though. Oh. Why do you think it was so impacting? Was it the the visuals? Was it the social commentary? Um, because it was packed with metaphor. I mean, it's pretty heavily, heavily, heavily handedly packed with metaphor. I love, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, but I think the, um, yeah, the, I mean, the, the issue of apartheid and all that, and that it happened in South Africa. And, um, it was, uh, um, it was, I mean, I, I loved that context to it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, and I think this feeds into my next comment, which I think it was just so, uh, like oh man, I almost used the word gritty, but it was so <laughs> realistic. In that you know, it's like there was at, at some point there was very little suspension of disbelief you had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it was. I mean, it was there. You know, it was shot in this grainy uh, footage often, and it was you know it was like um, I mean, it was just so you know it's this word that I love about filmmaking, which is a visceral. It was like you were mm-hmm. you know you were in the action, you were seeing the like you know, blood and sweat and, and it, and it was just kind of gross, you know, it was sort of like, um, it reminded me in a lot of ways of the fly, mm-hmm. which is another kind of gross horror sci-fi. Um, but I, you know, I just, I don't know. I just really, it really, I guess at the time, um, I'd become a real passive consumer of science fiction, you know, not really thinking about this movie's sci-fi or that movie's, you know, superheroes. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like it was mainstream and district nine, I think really drew a line and like you're you know this this is a science fiction movie and and well and and i think too like one of the things we brought up last week was i think when people define sci-fi i think that social commentary or that heavy metaphor element is is or you know it's not necessarily social commentary but you know criticizing or critiquing the conditions in which we currently live yeah that's a really good point and i think that's and i'll put on my list right off the top like dune because i think dune It's held, even though I think there's a lot of fantasy elements in that too. I think it's often held up as a sci-fi masterpiece just because it deals with everything from um, you know, immigration to uh, inv- heav- heavily commenting on in, you know, environmental impact and um, you know, uh, 
native peoples versus, you know, sort of uh, ruling classes and just all of that kind of stuff gets really, and a lot of it was ahead of its time too. There's only, well, we're only just now starting to kind of really get into the weeds on a lot of the, a lot of the things it addresses. Um, so I, you know, definitely would put that there. I would say on the comic books. Well, now let me, oh, go ahead. let me ask you a question yeah, yeah. about Dune before you proceed, which is just a recap from last week. When you, when you talk about Dune, is it, um, the movie or the miniseries or the uh, books? Uh, I mean, what... Book first and foremost, but I, you know, the mini, okay. the movie, I just sort of dis- discount because it was just, I don't feel it really lines up. The movie itself is to me is to the book as the shining movie is to the shining book, which is loosely adapted from, you know, some people might you know, disagree with me. And David Lynch, you know, I think it's David Lynch. Yeah. Is the, uh, you know, is, is the second coming, but it's just, I don't know. I just, it didn't really work for me. And strangely enough, the sci-fi channel miniseries that came out in 2000 and then the sequel, which came out in 03, I feel were much more and much like the shining miniseries that had Steven Weber from wings. Like it, uh, it had more time to tell the story so they could get more deep into it. And you, you right. got to gleam a lot more for it, but we're really, I mean, when we, when we say Dune at this juncture, we're just talking about the book. Cause that's sort of the original, gotcha. you know, it's, it's as layered as it's ever going to get. Um, cool. I think too, on the other side, on the comic book side of things, I'm just going to throw in the, uh, the trade paperback or just the, the, the volume nowhere men. Um, Cause that's, you know, at, when we were talking about what is and isn't sci-fi on the last episode, I just, that kept popping in my head. Like if this isn't sci-fi, I don't know what is. Um, right. It's got everything. It's, it's got everything heavily, heavily talking about, you know, how scientists, you know, uh, when treated like rock stars can go in one direction and what sort of the fruits of that labor behold. And there's just a lot of juicy stuff going on in that story. In addition to just a very easy to digest, like superhero origin story for all intents and purposes, because these people, you know, go up on the space station and are impacted by this stuff. And they think it's, they think it's disease and ailments that are affecting them. They're gaining these powers. Um, So there's, you know, there's that kind of, kind of part of it too. But I think just definitely if, if we're going to call something sci-fi, that's that's where I would start is with Nowhere Men. Well, um, I like how that, that sort of loops around in our other interests, and I, I brought it up in our sci-fi discussion last week about, um, to me, a lot of superhero stories are science fiction. And you know, just when you've described Nowhere Men, I'm instantly thinking of like Superman as this great alien story and um, you know, really like a, a – a first contact kind of story and yeah, then, yeah. you know, and then fantastic four of course has that sci-fi element is, you know, another group that goes into space and, you know, cosmic radiation changes their bodies. And so, you know, there's definitely that to me that there's a really easy connection between superhero lore and, and science fiction. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's sort of, it's baffling to me that, you know, I think fantastic four has the most del- of the popular sort of most well-known stuff. I think Fantastic Four is the most deliberate sort of connection to that, where it's like, oh, this is a sci-fi origin story, and they just happen to be superheroes. I think Nowhere yeah. Men sort of takes it way – no one at any time calls them superheroes. In fact, Volume 1 ends when they all, they've just all escaped the space station. They realize – not all of them, but some of them are realizing that – that this is not a disease. They're not going to die. In fact, it's the opposite. They're gaining these abilities and nobody has, nobody has officially called them superheroes or heroes or has put them together in a team yet, but you can kind of see that's where this is headed. So right. that just sort of that, that slow build is what I really, you know, nobody's running around in a giant robot being stopped by, you know, a flaming guy or anything like that. So it's like, it's, I like that. And I think, you know, fantastic four, it's weird that fantastic four, they can't figure that out. Like, I think they may have tried earnestly with this new movie to, to kind of underplay the hero part of it. 
um, right. and make it just more about the sci-fi origin, but they probably went too far in that direction. So I, I don't know. It's a delicate balance. Um, and I want to yeah. throw one more in there too. And, and that's, you know, I said Dr. Who before, but I, and further examination, I think, you know, Dr. Who is definitely, you can call it sci-fi, but I think there are so many things, you know, so many elements of that story that it, it's almost underserving it to label it that way. You know, you've right. got everything from Victorian, Victorian murder mysteries to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, comedic sort of uh, uh, everything in between, you know, Roman, you know, the Roman empire collapsing and just all these different things. You could, I mean, it could be just as much a history show as anything else. I would say though, instead of that, or in place of that, the movie contact, which I was watching uh, before seeing the Martian. Cause I just, I, a lot of people were like, Ooh, this reminds me a lot of contact. And I was like, really? So I wanted to just re rewatch that to get a sense of that. And, and, you know, it's, it's more sci-fi drama, because there's definitely it's a well-made movie. I mean, Robert Zemeckis made that movie, made it well, but it's it's definitely. I mean, if, again, if that's not sci-fi, I don't, I don't know what is. Um, it just it's a long, slow build. And in fact, in watching it, like you know, and I've used to watch it once a year, and I've sort of since died down just because I know I could recite it to you by heart. But watching it in this sort of new context in the last week, it's hitting me pretty heavily. That could that whole movie could easily be a really great trade paperback. Um, start to finish, and I can even see where you would you would divvy up the uh, divvy up the cuts or the breaks. You know, if you're going to do issues first, like just everything about it, the way they reveal John Hurt's character, um, you know, what she goes through is just it really. I don't hmm. know, just I think it really works in that context. That's probably why I like it so much, or why I gravitate towards those kind of of comics, where it's just it, the story sort of sits very nicely in that in that space. What and then I believe. I don't know if it was offline or in our conversation on the podcast or or when we were offline that you were saying contact is probably like a really good example of hard sci-fi. Is that I would I think it yeah I think it because I mean, it's, it's based so scientific. On, well, it's based on the work of Carl Sagan for God's sake. Yeah, like true. they even say like they dedicate it to him. Um, so it's like that that element that you know that aspect is heavily baked throughout. There's you know they really go out of the way to make it real you know feel real like they have everything from you know craftily edited edited clips of bill clinton um you know in other press conferences making it look like he's talking about the events of the movie um <laughs> down to you know how are they going to pay you know how are they going to pay for this giant machine they have to build um to the fact that they built you know spoilers they built two machines one of my favorite one of my absolute i get chills every time just thinking about it is that towards the end um and if you haven't seen contact at this point you know what do you wait i for? have not <laughs> well, I, well, you, well, you then. I don't want to spoil it for you because it's such a good. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, I just cut. cut your no, 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 it's, no, 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 no. It's well. There's a scene. There's a scene towards the end that just gives me chills every time, and it's and it's something that's it's very realistic. You're like, oh, this this is how this would happen. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there, you know, I think that again, that and there's a lot of social commentary, a lot of you know societal sort of commentary going on i think that's you know that other side of sci-fi is where that comes into play and you're not going to get that as deliberately in other genres you know in other you know in fantasy in horror you know those things aren't i i I keep going back to i think that one of the central tenets of sci-fi when people really get uppity about it is when it's it does or doesn't have that social or societal commentary or critique baked into it yeah that that is interesting because i i have argued before that that's you know that's the purpose of science fiction is sort of taking our current circumstances and you know cha- changing some aspect and then analyzing it like you know what is this going to show us about our current circumstances if we imagine 
you know, well, whatever this changes. And as a heavy-handed um, segue, I think that's where the movie Elysium. If you talk about District Nine, same right. director did Elysium. That's where Elysium fell down, is because it was too deliberately. It, it, it wasn't like District Nine was a great. It wasn't saying, you know. It was it was represented apartheid and all of that stuff very very well. It didn't just it didn't say the alien. You know, it wasn't you just inferred that. So if you didn't if you were completely oblivious to the way the world is and you went in and saw that movie, you think it was a great movie. Um, but if you have an inkling of how you know Africa has worked and how South Africa has worked in the last you know thirty to forty years and you know who Mandela even is like all of that is very much on display. And I think with Elysium, it was very much, it was much more heavy handed. It was, there's classism. It's the haves and have nots. And the movie ends where the have nots get to have what the, you know, get to have the, the technology of the haves. And just, I don't know. I just felt like that was less commentary and more like, you know, we're going to use this lens to tell the story, but it doesn't, didn't really give a a viable solution to how we should address that today in the here and now, you know, I think that's kind of where, so you walk out of there feeling less fulfilled because of it versus district nine. Right. And another heavy handed, (laughs) uh, segue, we can, you know, uh, we can go from one Matt Damon movie to the one we're discussing this week, which is the Martian. Yes. Um, and we, even before we saw this, we kind of wondered, is it really science fiction? You know, what what is it? Um, and uh, I don't know where I come down on that. You know, it's it's to me, it was it was just like seeing Apollo 13. Yeah. Uh, on Mars. Well, and I actually, I almost proposed to you that we do this entire podcast as and treat it like as a prank, as though this were a real story, <laughs> because I know that's been a <laughs> that's been a thing that's gone around social media that some people actually think this is a true story being retold. Really? Yeah, that, I I believe that's those are the comments I've read. Wow. That's well, it's I mean, it does a very good job of you know, sort of I don't know if there's a term to describe it, but just sort of like the future history as it, as it yeah. were. I mean, even down to the point where some of the viral marketing includes, you know, there was a, there was a video posted of like Neil deGrasse Tyson in, you know, 20 years from now and they aged him up. They you know gave him gray hair <laughs> and some wrinkles, but it's him basically doing what the version of Cosmos exists or just, you know, internet media in the, you know, in the 2030s, um, him introducing the crew that's going to go on this mission and talking about the mission as though it was an actual produced video from NASA. So like all the tie in media and everything like felt like this, this, did this happen? Did this, are we getting this sent back from the future? Like this is a real thing. So it was, I mean, give credit to the, to Ridley Scott for really nailing that part of it. I don't think though. And and again, if if we're making, social commentary, a direct tenet of what sci-fi is. This didn't really have that. Like this, this could right. have easily been a story about how um, early colonists come to America and leave Matt Damon in the wilderness, you know, in the wilderness oh, yeah. of America by himself and then go back. And then, you know, the, the monarchy is like, we got to go get him back. You know, like that, it could have easily been oh. that story. Um, yeah, or- Absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say, or like you know, uh, more a little bit more contemporary. Like you got a, um, uh, you know, like people going across the Oregon Trail and like they accidentally leave Matt Damon behind to survive with a you know a hatchet or something. Like there's, and I would even say to the book, the hatchet, which I read when I was a kid. Um, th- more than anything, this reminded me of that because the hatchet is very much about I have only these many things. I've got my my ingenuity and my intelligence, and I got to make the best out of it. And it wasn't huh. so much, you know, it wasn't so much about. You know, will he survive? I take that. It wasn't so much about the desperation of surviving, which I think is what Castaway really nails well. Castaway right. is about you know 
one dude just trying to hold it together mentally. Right. And, and just trying to deal in trying to understand like, you know, and, and, you know, everything from like the suicide attempt and all that stuff in Castaway. And he talks to a ball for guys. Like, whereas yeah. the thing I loved about the Martian was just right off the bat, you know, he had like a night where he's like, you know, he, you know, cursed at, you know, cursed at Mars and cursed at himself and just was pissed off at the situation for a night. And the next yeah. morning he's like, he, he starts those video diaries and he's like, we're going to get to business. We're going to get to work right now here we go and i really like that it was like okay cool oh, yeah. finally here's a movie that's less about oh no he's he's been lost behind and, and more about how's he going to deal with this for the next six months to 12 you know, months to whatever I, I saw this headline uh there was a, a you know a, a critique of the movie that so i didn't read the article because the headline turned me off so much which was like you know the where the martian fails is on its you know it's got no backstory and there's no sense of the characters in it and whatever and i was like i think you missed the point entirely oh man. god yeah who's and saying it, that i know i mean it was some major paper um and it was uh to me, it was exactly what you talk about, where there's like that night of, you know, I mean, the, the night he realizes what happened and, what, you know, why it, why it transpired that he was left behind, you know, and presumed dead. He, yeah, he has a terrible night. And he has many more after that, but it's just yeah. not really shown. Um, but it, at that point, it becomes about solving the problems and, you know, figuring exactly. out how am I going to eat? How much food is left here? You know, how can I communicate? How can I travel? Like, he he really has to you know, fix that thing, which was, which is the Apollo 13 aspect of it, which is, you know, that, I mean, yeah. I, Apollo 13 has just got to be one of my all time favorite movies, um, where it, that, you know, problem solving ability was, it was, it's just so cool. You know, you yeah. almost don't yeah. care that, um, Watney, uh, uh, Matt Damon's character in, in the Martian, like, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't care what his life is back on earth. Like that is immaterial to him. Yeah, well, trying it's to survive. Thanks for bringing that up. Because that was the other thing I really liked about it. There wasn't like these, you know, heartbreaking scenes of his wife, you know, video right. conferencing him and all these things that you would normally, these tropes you would normally find in other movies. I mean, it happened in Apollo 13 too, but I mean, the only thing we got out of it was him talking to, you know, no, without trying to spoil too much, like him talking to another you know, member of the cast, basically saying, Hey, my, uh, my parents are back home. If this doesn't work right. out for me, I want you to go tell them, tell them my story. And I was like, and that was all I needed. I mean, just to know, yeah. cause you wanted to know he had some connection back to earth. You yeah. had to humanize it a little bit, but it didn't have to throw it in your face and him like having some, you know, longing, you know, tear felt like, Oh God, I'm going to see you soon, honey. Like, and that's the movie. That's, that wasn't the point of it. I'm so right. glad they didn't, they weren't tempted to go down that road. Well, and, and to extend that Apollo 13 comparison, there's so many shots in that movie of the family in front of the TV, like all yeah. holding hands and they're all crying. And you're in those moments, you're seeing this like with them. You're like, oh, my yeah. God, like yeah. what was it like on that couch where there's, you know, 10 minutes of radio silence or whatever until they, yeah. get, you know, while they pass through the, the atmosphere and you're, you're, you're feeling with the family. But in The Martian, you're with him on the planet exactly. alone, you know, it's like the, the scene, you know, it would have, it would have taken me out of that moment if I had to see like the girlfriend, you know, uh, moving on with her life or whatever. I, um, uh, I believe I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was one of the interesting things about castaway was none of that was hinted at either until yeah. the end of the movie, when they sort of showed what had happened to the, the woman, he was his wife or, or, yeah, and, you know, you kind of catch up on the story that way, but um, yeah, but it does this awesome job of of while at the same time, 
not making you feel uh, agoraphobic yes. <laughs> or, or yes. claustrophobic because you're stuck with them on the planet because it does cut back to NASA and um, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory trying to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, like like I'll back up one more second and say last week when we talked about this, the sci-fi, you asked me if I was going to see The Martian. I was like, meh, I don't care. And now I can just sense in my voice like I'm so excited about this movie. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, yeah. I mean, it was a real um, – I, I don't think I knew the hook getting into it. I, I think I thought like, oh man, I don't, you know, I don't want to see Castaway on Mars, or I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to see Red Planet again or Mission to Mars or something like that. Um, but it was so much more uh, thrilling yeah, because yeah. of that that like hard science that's in it, you know. Well, they did a really good job. And granted, keep in mind, this was based on a book, a very much beloved book. And I, I'm going to yeah. guess it, the movie was as good as it was because it was so loyal to the book. The one thing I don't know, and I need to find somebody who's read the book to verify this, is do we ever see the point of view of NASA, of the other crew, etc., like we do in the movie? Or is it just his POV from start to you know start to finish? And as he, only when he interacts with those other parts – do we see their, you know, what they're saying? Because I could see that working very well in the context of a book. Um, right. I'm glad in the movie they went the way they did. It absolutely was necessary. Otherwise, it'd be too much like Castaway, I think. And, right. and, and a lot of these problems, like you needed to see the Jeff Propulsion Lab. You needed to see these other people trying to figure this out and dealing themselves with the, you know, Jeff Daniels had a lot of crap thrown at him and he had to navigate that the best way he could. Yeah. Um, well, that that's so such a, know, great, I, a great point that I put in our notes. Like even... For, for all the the crap I would you know shovel onto bureaucracy, like, and I don't want to watch it. Like for for example, the movie uh, The Terminal with Tom Hanks drives me up. Oh yeah, oh, man, that is just I like I've been to the DMV. I don't need to see another person <laughs> being put through a bureaucratic runaround, you know, and trapped. Yeah, yeah. But I loved seeing the bureaucracy of uh, of NASA in this movie and um, Jeff Daniels yeah. and then. <laughs> all these other shocking cast members I didn't know about Kristen Wiig being the, you know, the public relations director of NASA and um, seeing them have to figure out like, you know, the, let's think about the outcome of this decision and, and how that's going to play. And we've got funding to think about, and we've got the next mission and we've got, you know, I mean, it, it almost could have been played as like the heartless bureaucrat, but yeah, it, yeah. but it, instead it's portrayed as like the stoic bureaucrats who have real shitstorms to deal with and they're just biting their lips until they get through it you know like they can't let on i mean you know i mean it's, there's that one moment which we don't have to spoil but you know where jeff daniel shows some emotion and he goes yes you know and it's like that's yeah, all yeah. you get out of him you know he's you yeah, can tell he's yeah. been so tense about everything and this one second he's you know he's he's there in the moment like being excited and uh um, yeah well then shot casting i didn't realize sean bean and donald glover were in this thing like I when can't sean believe bean, sean bean wasn't dead on mars <laughs> if he had been the martian he they would have just left him there right <laughs> yeah yeah way to go yeah with the- well i was surprised too honestly as it was going i'm like i'm surprised he wasn't like already in some other you know like matt damon's like there's another base up here there's another guy who's been here for eight months like i'm gonna go to and it's sean bean of course sean bean has to sacrifice himself for matt damon to live like like that's how yeah. it would you know and 10 years ago that's where we would be right now like let's i know what we need let's have another outpost that he goes to and there's another guy like lost in the hatch that he has to break into and that guy's been there forever and it's yeah. sean bean he, he so was, let me ask you that oh, he was sorry. shocking to i mean it was just i loved seeing that and and donald glover oh donald glover was so good in it 
And, you know, when they first wake him up in that scene and call his name, and I was like, is that Donald Glover? <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing. I was like, is that who? Well, and then Chiwetel Ejiofor, like, that dude just continues to impress me. Like, and I had to, I had to remind myself that's who that was. Because when he popped up at first, I'm like, who is that? I know him. And then I was like, oh, it's, that's right. It's, I knew he was in it. I just didn't realize that. I need to re-familiarize myself with what he looks like because every movie he's in, he sort of does a different character. Yeah. It always throws me. It's, he's kind of like the he's kind of like the African American. Um, uh, oh God, Commissioner Gordon. What the hell is his name? Just uh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> and that he sort of has this ability to just sort of he he doesn't change his physical appearance a lot, but just the way he presents himself in the character just makes it a whole different dude. And it's it's a magic trick. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, and I love Bryce acting. Dallas Howard in it. Um, it, she was a great character. <laughs> Who's that? Sorry. Uh, oh, Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Yeah. As Jessica. No, Chastain. Jessica Chastain. <laughs> yeah, as Jessica Chastain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it says a lot that the for the first ten minutes of the movie, all I kept like, yeah, I had to really struggle and try to not sing that song that I am not Jessica Chastain. You know, that's that song that they do. Like it was, it was a lot for me to not just sing that in my head the entire time because it's. Every time either of them pop up on screen, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, in fact, I had that same problem. What was the movie you recommended to me? The spy movie with her in it? Um, oh, oh uh, like the debt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing there. Like half that movie, I'm just like, I am not Jessica <laughs> Chastain. Just the whole whole thing. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't actually I, realize I, it was Jessica Chastain until the end. I have no idea what. <laughs> Like, I'm like face blindness or something to both of them for whatever reason. The cast was definitely. A, a nice pleasant surprise and worked really well and was really diverse when you think about it like the crew you know um it just it was a very well balanced cast all around just uh, oh yeah and then even the you could tell that the the chinese cone uh, the you know anymore to get a major movie like this made you you pretty much have to get foreign money and, and usually chinese money is involved and i love the sort of ways they try to work that into the story um, where, you know, like they're at one point they go to the, you know, the Chinese version of NASA, uh, they reach out to them for, for something. And like, uh, d- as soon as it hit, I was like, ah, oh, this is where the Chinese money's going. Cause they, they always have to try to represent, you know, for them to market it in China and have all that. They kind of want that, you know, that element. And then just that co-financing. But in this case, it worked, it served the story really well. Like I could see in 20 years, like that's exactly what would happen. So you know, like saying, they would have, <laughs> you're saying that the, the movie was, uh, partially produced with with chinese money and that was sort of the payoff of it was that they would put the chinese space agency in it oh dude a lot of movies are that way there was a whole version of iron man 3 that you've never seen that has chinese actors in it um because they got a lot a lot of that co-financing was was from chinese companies and so like um there's a whole and i've been trying to find it they haven't put it out in america but there's like a whole ver- it's it's still iron man 3 with a lot of the same stuff but there's like all these other scenes and takes and characters that are chinese based that you've never you've never seen before and that was the movie that was the version of the movie that they got over there so that's like a it's more and more kind of the a movie of this size and budget that's usually what's going to happen another great point looper um you know the the ryan johnson movie with uh you you've seen it i'm assuming no you haven't okay so there's a scene there originally in the script in looper um joe gordon levitt's character you know, he's talking about saving up his money, doing, you know, doing the, you know, his, his mafia job and he's saving up. He's going to go to France. And that was like the, he was, you know, the movie was going to then show him in France because of the Chinese co-production money. They moved it to Shanghai. And so they even said, it, the, the, it's funny. They kept the script the same. He's like, I'm going to go to France. And then Jeff Daniels characters like go to China, son. He's like, 
Yeah, but I'm really like France. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'm from the future. I'm telling you, go to China. So instead, they shoot all those scenes in China. Instead, I mean, it's not a lot of stuff, but it's just a nice little. I think they did that because they were getting that co-production money. That's um, funny. That's usually sort of a caveat: is we want you to showcase the country or have Chinese actors or inject that in some way. It's not always required, but it's usually kind of a, a when they're structuring those deals. It's usually something that comes out. That's really funny to think about. Well, I went to the uh, Wikipedia page for the the novel, and it, as far as I can tell, in my quick glance, it looks like the China um, National Space Agency is actually in the novel. So maybe it, okay. <laughs> it just worked okay. out that way. But I'll tell you what's really interesting um, is that uh, it this like second third sentence of the Wikipedia description is um, the novel is described as Hatchet in Space. Ah. So See, you know, I've never heard I of Hatchet. Seen that you haven't read? Oh God! So the Hatchet is one of those like it wasn't required reading for me, but it should have been um, in like right. middle school. It's just it's so it's just so great because it's about a young kid essentially. I think he's like you know his early teens, maybe mid teens, who gets trapped in the Alaska wilderness or lost rather in the Alaska wilderness with a hatchet, and that's it. And he has to wow. he has to science his way out of that you know that too. Um, did you speaking of that? Did you was there any part of the Martian for you that was that seemed too like he, he where he seemed too able? You know, he was too capable of of you know, where you're just like really he knows that too. Like, did, did any of that surprise you? Did it seem like someone of his intelligence could have logically figured all the stuff that he figured out by himself? I really thought they did. They had a. I mean, it's difficult to balance that because there were some parts where, um, not that it was too detailed but where they went you know um the description when he starts to you know grow crops there was a, a lengthy description of how to produce water in that environment you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um I, you know the, so you kind of think oh god i hope he doesn't explain everything in those details you know so i think they just had to do a couple of those so you kind of buy into mm-hmm. well he could be you know giving us the the you know, micro science of everything that he's doing, but we're just going to kind of accept that he did. I, I, anyway, my, my point being, I think they did a great balance of like um, showing him thinking through the problems and describing them and then just sometimes just doing them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Be, because, you know, sometimes movies are, are way too in the, you know, microscopic version of, of everything. And um, sometimes they're way too macro and you just don't believe that they know all that stuff. And I just mm-hmm. liked it where it just, it looked like this is a really, really well-prepared astronaut. I mean, that is what yeah. we trust our astronauts to be are, you know, they're, they're scientists of different backgrounds and, and then they've had this huge schooling in the science of space and all the equipment that NASA uses and stuff. Um, and I'll tell you one of the great, one of the things I really liked about it was, um, which had such a callback to Apollo 13 was in Apollo 13. They, um, uh, I, I can't remember what they do. They go, they go stay in the limb or something like that, or vice versa. Yeah. They get out of the limb yeah, or yeah. something during that. And, um, they have to filter the air back. And so the, you know, NASA is relaying the hack that they've done to, yeah. to change this air filter. And they say, right. well, the, 
limb crew used metric measurements and we used English measurements or something like that, you know, it's like a square hole and a, and a round peg kind of thing. And they, it's, it's just one of those classic, like two teams worked on this and they didn't use the same standards. And now we've got to, you know, hack it together to make it work. And there's a moment in that where the guy from JPL says something like, well, there's a, there's going to be a problem with the, <laughs> with the rocket, you know, it was, oh, yeah. it was meant yeah. to have all these people on it and they're going to weigh this much. And it was like, I know that's a real problem just from that, you know, that's like uh, such a callback to what uh, the Apollo 13 problems that they had, you know, like literally nobody well, thought it would be used for this. So there's something, there's more I want to get into on that, but let's, yeah. we're going to do a spoilers sort of section here in a second. Oh yeah. yeah. Dive, Cause I have some other questions before we do though, for the, for the listener who hasn't yet seen this, you saw it in 3d, correct? I did. Yeah. I saw it in 2D. Um, just the option wasn't given to me. Did you? How was the 3D? How was the experience? I loved it. It was. Um, it's. It's definitely not like an action movie where um, I, I wouldn't be surprised that it was uh, retrofitted into 3D. Um, okay. But uh, it wasn't like like I know Pacific Rim, for example, was retrofitted into 3D mm-hmm. because initially they said we don't have the money for you to shoot it in 3D, so he shot it in 2D, and then and then they have to do all this like you know. Com, uh, com, computer animation to fit it in a 3d because i thought it would be so good that way mm-hmm. and so there's often in in those kind of movies there's sort of a deliberate you know um jutting of things out to show you the depth of field and stuff like that or mm-hmm. there's the reverse where they've they've shot it with a shallow depth of field and something's out of focus in the background and you know like if you're actually seeing it in 3d that would probably be in focus and you know it's like yeah yeah you're, you're like your brain is sort of taking in maybe more movement in those than it needs to. But in this, it's just so subtle because it's those great big, huge landscape shots Mm -hmm. are, you just really feel this depth. And especially because it's communicating, like he's the only guy on a planet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to see that vast desert with nothing but like this little, you know, Rover going across it, it's, is really, you know, that's why that's a great point too. Cause that's why I think, we talked about it not feeling claustrophobic. I think that was the other secret weapon of this movie is that it, it, they shot Mars. Like it's an actual location that, you know, you and I could just drive, you know, 50 miles down the road to a, a national park somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure they, I mean, and they filmed it you know, in a desert in the real world. Then they added on and then additional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, they shot it. They shot, you know, it wasn't some, it wasn't like any of those other Mars movies you mentioned where it's like, you know, they just blowing dust everywhere and just crazy. Right. It's, it was like, no, this is an actual place. I mean, Mars exists just like that. It's an actual place that has topography, yeah. just, you know, not dissimilar from us. It's just not has, oxygen. It has weather, you know, yeah. like the, the weather elements were so realistic and well done. Yeah. Um, and there was a scene too, but like, you know, at one point in the movie, he says, I, I loved this, you know, as he's, as he's in the rover, he's like, everywhere I go, I'm the first. You know, right. I'm the first person to, to walk on this cliff. I'm the first person to see this. I'm the first person to do. And I'm just like, that really resonated with me because I'm like, that's exactly, if I were, if I, if I was in his position, that's how I would perceive it. It's like, oh my God, the, everything I do is I'm the first person to do. I'm the first person to be alone on a planet. And like that, right. that's an incredible, you know, it's, it's, it, you feel that, but then you also feel sort of the excitement of just that possibility. Like he's all alone on a planet. You know, it's like, holy right. crap. Like that's, that's insane to think about like and and they you know you've got these sweeping vistas and stuff to kind of drive that that point home um, yeah i and it just it, I, looked, it looked so clean in in 3d um i my, my 
the thing that bummed me out the most was I, at least around me in Nashville right now, um, is that I don't see it playing anywhere on in IMAX and whether oh, it were sure. 3d or 2d, I want to see this in IMAX. Yeah. IMAX would be cool. There's a lot of shots specifically spoilery kinds of shots. So I don't want to talk too much about it just yet that I think would be gorgeous in IMAX. Um, yeah. So what, what was the 2d experience? I mean, were you as impressed with it? Just, yeah. You know, yeah. It you... was, it was just, I mean, it was solid. And I think yeah, the 2d worked just fine because a lot of the shots are him talking to the video journal. You know, so right. there's like security cam style footage that's not like, you know, high def film stock. It's just like a, a webcam. So right. it's like in that regard, like a lot of that, you know, it, it looked cool seeing it on the big screen. But I can see this being a movie that works just as well, you know, on a flat screen and in your living room when it comes yeah. out on. You know, it's great seeing it on the big screen, but I love the fact that I could be just as satisfied watching this on a small screen. Um you know, and, and have that. Cause it's, there's a lot of intimate moments in this, just like moon, you know, the movie moon, there's a lot of intimate moments that I think work really well on a small screen. And I like that they're thinking, especially somebody like Ridley Scott, who's so used to going big, you know, every time, big production values, big, huge space and everything. And you've yeah. got that here, but these, he balanced it very well with small, you know, focused in, you know, intimate kinds of stuff. And that's, that's gutsy for a guy like him to go that way at this yeah. point in his career. Yeah, and and oh man, I'm just thinking of that. You're right. Like that that um it does not feel claustrophobic. And when you think of the legacy of Ridley Scott, like Prometheus feels really claustrophobic. I mean, even when they're on the planet and the storm hits or when they're down in the cave, it's like it feels really close. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um and that one I I'm pretty sure I saw that in 3D as well and it I definitely didn't feel that like wide open space and vista kind of feel. It felt like Yeah, you're right. I I misspoke. I misspoke. Well, I was thinking like Blade, but even like Blade Runner, it's it's got huge production value, but it's very claustrophobic. Alien, they're in a spaceship. Yeah. It's like a it's like a ghost. You know, it's a haunted house as a spaceship. Like right. it is very much. That's the kind of of movie he tends to make. So that's. Oh yeah, a, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to contradict you. I. I but I think you're. No, right. you're right. Though I was you're right. Though that, that, I wanted. Like, I wanted. They are big production, but they're there's they're where you can. I mean, it's not that you can tell it's a set, but it's on a set or something. I think the Martian mm-hmm. does such a great job of showing it as more like, you know, real realistic. It's just we, we you know, there's nothing in that movie that I felt like that doesn't exist today. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to uh, – should we, should we put the spoiler blinds up and uh, yeah, so get a little a bit more detail? So we're going to do some spoilers. So if you have seen the movie um, – and want to stick around and listen to us talk about things that happen in the movie, stay tuned. If you've not seen the movie, um, feel free to tune out now and, and you know, uh, come back when you've seen it. Um, and in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at HeyTade, and you can find Taylor on Twitter at Taylor Trask, and you can find both of us at um, ToddandTaylor.com. So That's right. is that enough of a warning? We're going into spoilers. I think so, yeah. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, stop right now and then come back after you have because uh, we'll, we'll just we'll, let's even do a countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. Okay. Get out. Yeah. Get out. All right. <laughs> the door is shut. If you're in here. You're, you, you're, you don't either don't care. You've seen the movie. So uh, yeah, Jon Snow is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Jon Snow is walking around Ireland. He's staying in the hotel. He's he's still there, man. I, th- I do think What's he's a- pulling the prank you described, which is just being like Sean Bean and showing up on the sets. I think that's what, what Kit Harrington is doing now. Let me throw so so on that note because the, the one of the first one of the one of the sort of wonderfully meta moments of this thing was when they're sitting around the table 
at, later on in the movie. So they've decided they, they have a plan for how they're going to save uh, Mark, Mark Watney. Mark. They're going to save Mark. And they're sitting on the table. And by this point, Donald Glover's character has joined. And, and they're like, Project Elrond? What does that mean? And, and <laughs> I, I kid that. you not, as a pander on the table, like Sean Bean was literally just sitting there. And like, I'm like, how, how hard was it him for not, not to either crack a smile or roll his eyes or something when right. they're like, you know what we're going to do right now? This is the scene where they talk about Lord of the Rings and the Council of Elrond, which his character was clearly in. Yeah. And it just it was such a beautifully – like he didn't say anything. Like they didn't like – you know. and I, I actually – I give them a lot of credit for not – you know. I'm sure they were tempted to be like, well, let's have Sean, like, you know, it's quick little cut, you know, two second cutaway of Sean just sort of, you know, chuckling to himself or something. And they didn't do that. <laughs> they, they showed him just yeah. kind of, he was sitting around the table, but it just, it was, I think everybody in the theater was like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. You know? One does not simply <laughs> use the gravity of the <laughs> earth to launch the spaceship. Um, yeah. It was, it was wonderfully meta. I love that. And there was a couple moments like that too. Like there was another one where, um, it, 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 and there was there was a lot. This was this movie was funnier than I thought it would be. Like there was a lot of humor uh, baked in, and it wasn't just like you know. Sometimes with these these tragedy mo- you know movies or these sort of these kind this style of drama, you know, it's like you know they'll go twenty thirty minutes before dropping in a moment of levity just so that it's not you know you can at least catch your breath a little bit. And yeah. this was almost I would say this was more sixty forty funny versus you know uh, serious. You know, there's a lot of serious moments, but there's so much comedy. Like even when, you know, after the uh, the Chinese get involved and then the uh, director of the Jet Propulsion Lab comes in, he's like, my uncle Teddy from China just uh, saved our ass. And it's just yeah. like, just just casually throwing that out there. But so, well, and you know. I mean, I, I know I'm just a broken record at this point, but so much of that was, uh, it's, and it's totally cool that they did this. It is of the style of Apollo 13. I mean, it's like, yeah. You get the sense that, like, this is how these scientists and astronauts have to break the tension. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, you know, they. You have to have Mark Watney saying, like, "Well, this is what you get for leaving me for dead on Mars." You know, like just that yeah, yeah. black humor of that, and you know, and the and the JPL guy walking in and saying that about his uncle Ted. I mean, it's like, yeah, <laughs> this stuff is tense, and these guys have to crack a joke like that. You know, and I remember similar moments in Apollo thirteen. And and to me, it it made it actually made the Martian stronger that it played with that same tone instead of going for like the tone of a disaster flick or an action movie where it's you know a, yeah. a little bit more over the top or something. I mean, you know, even uh, you know when Jeff Daniels tells a Rich Donald Clover's character to just get out of the room. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still not you know played like uh, you, you know the the captain telling uh, uh, Axel Foley to get out of the Beverly Hills police station. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, still yeah, not yeah. like overplayed or something. It's just, it's very, it's like on tone and just rich. Well, get out. <laughs> there wasn't, and there wasn't this like, you know, in, in other movies, Donald Glover's character would, you know, would after that moment become like the new sort of flight director. Like he'd be, exactly. he'd, be, he'd be eerily promoted. And it was like, no, he just goes back to his regular job. And he's just, and the other thing that I really liked too is, um, once we got to the ending and we, you know, it's, it's been revealed that they do make it back. I love the way they do the credits at the end where they're showing you a whole scene while giving as, as it flashes on, they found a way to incorporate every actor, every primary actor into yeah. like this, this kind of this capstone scene and show you who they are. But then they also like, you know, Sean Bean's character at one point helps the, um, you know, he get, he sends, he sends the instructions to, uh, the Aries four to the, go the, back the you know, Hermes, right? Hermes for yeah, Hermes. Yeah, there we go. Um Hermes to like go back and get him. This is 
you know, Jeff Daniels and NASA didn't want to do that. They wanted to bring them back home safely and, and send supplies to Mark a different way. Right. So, you know, uh, Sean Bean's character gets in trouble for that. And then it, Jeff Daniels clearly says, you know, I want your resignation after this is over. Again, in any other movie, you know, after everyone's back home, he'd still be, you know, it's like, oh, I've changed my mind. Everybody's yeah. fine. No, he gets fired. Like they show him golfing, you know, and when the next Ares mission's going, you know, they, sh- they end showing you the launch of the next Ares mission. Yeah. And as they're doing that, here's everybody who was involved in the movie. Here's where they are while that process is happening. And they show Sean Bean just on the golf course. You know, he's not involved. He's, you just, they, you just assume that's what, you know, he was, he resigned and he's doing this now. And yeah. He's not, not dead. So there's, you know, there's that. Yeah. And I have that, that tiny, tiniest of griefs, which is I just didn't like uh, the scene of Matt Damon or Mark Watney as the NASA instructor. And it's so mm. stupid. And I, I loved the message of that scene where he he really just lays out the message of the movie, which is that you just got to science the shit out of everything. You got to solve one problem and solve <laughs> the next. And once you solve enough problems, you get home. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like that was such a great rap right there. But yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, um, I just didn't. I, the, the moment the cut and maybe it was a, a, a link thing or something, but it's like, you know. They they're picking him up in outer space in this harrowing rescue, and yeah. then cut to him on a a bench yeah. on Earth. Yeah, you know, and I just it was um you know I love I love the moment where he touches the the leaves of the plant that are growing through the the sidewalk his feet. You know that was great, but then but just that jump was so abrupt. I had a me. I had a big problem with that too, and, and and I looked at I looked at my girlfriend at the time who's who's watching with me, and I'm like, are we expected to believe? Because think about this. So they 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 have oh. to basically shut down half oh, of the yeah. half of the Hermes to rescue him, right? Yeah. And then there's still another six to eight months of them having to get back to Earth. Are we expected to believe that nothing went wrong during that time too? Like I know. it was just completely smooth sailing in half a spaceship for six months. Like how really? And it just it seems so like like they set that up. And if the ship had remained, if they hadn't you know blown the hatch in the way they did, and the ship remained intact. I would have bought it a lot more, but just the fact that that happened and then they, they used up a lot of their fuel to try to maneuver to get him. I'm like, there's a lot of other shit that could have happened that, that I don't want to just assume went okay. You know? And it's like, what else? And, and I see, I mean, I see why, because the whole point is, you know, is he safe? But they made a big deal about, it. is the crew going to be safe? And, and I, I don't know. I, they could have stretched it another 10 to 15 minutes. I don't know what you would have done story-wise or script-wise to bridge that gap it would have been really hard right Um, because because once you save him you want to get out of the movie quickly you want to basically be like hey yeah everyone's fine and here's so i get it but i just i yeah i agree with you it it was very abrupt it was very like oh okay and you know Um, it's like it's monday morning quarterbacking you know it's like we could dream up all these other ways to present the information that matt damon says in that astronaut you know in the nasa training class Like, you know, is it a voiceover while they're while we see them floating through space and doing more? But I mean, there were definitely a few uh, questions I would have liked to have seen answered. You know, I mean, he was clearly his body was deteriorating yeah, when, they, when yeah. they picked him up. And his ribs are broken. Like he said, yeah. my ribs are broken. Like I'm like, Jesus. It's, I mean, it's just like, just give me, you know, like you said, like five, 10 minutes of the aftermath of that. Like, what is the plan to get back to Earth with half this spacecraft dead? You know, I mean, not and the people aren't dead, well, obviously, but just the, you know. I'll tell you what would have what would have worked for me. Like, if, if if they're like, okay, fine, what would you, you come in in our test screening and whatever you want, we'll do. <laughs> I, I knowing that, I would have said, what all all I really needed is after they sort of embrace, you know, after he they pull him in and then yeah. you know he takes off the helmet, they all embrace each other. 
have just one more sort of quiet scene where he's sitting there on like a bench or at the table inside talking to Jessica Chastain or talking to one of the other characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just, and just basically like sort of silently reflecting on everything he's been through and just sort of taking a breath of like, ah, I made it, you know, and then they can they just have like, a, and it can be like, you know, two to five minutes. And they're just like, you know, he, you know, the Jessica Chastain could go, you know, we had to blow up, you know, we had to, we had to scrap half the ship to, to do this. And he's yeah. like, Oh, are we going to, and there could even been a, it could have been a joke tied in there too. Like, well, how are we going to, we're going to have to be in the, you know, small quarters for six months and yeah. you know, some, something where it's just like, okay, they, they're acknowledging that this is not necessarily, they're not out of the woods yet, but we can assume at, you know, after that acknowledgement, it'll be fine from that point on, you know, yeah. instead of just the movie acknowledging that itself. Cause it, it acknowledged so much else. You know, there's yeah. so many other things that it was intentional to go, we're going to show you this and we're not going to assume that you understand that this is resolved yet. And this is going to happen. And this is, you know, all of those things. Um, like, I mean, even like his journey across Mars to the, uh, the other, uh, what do you call it? The other, uh, uh, landing site. Right. Like, I mean, they showed you that entire journey. They could have easily just cut, you know, he made it, but they showed you right. every step of the way. Like, Oh, he's got to recharge the recharge, the Rover. And here's what's going to happen. And it could still go wrong. And so you just are like the whole time thinking, Oh my God, like there's, there's a whole, you know, half hour left of these guys getting back to earth that we should probably be at least be aware of. Um, yeah. but again, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I, I'm sure these conversations came up and I'm sure this was just like the best way they could do it with the budget and the time they had allowed. So, right. Yeah, I do. I mean, um, and I do like what you said about the credit scenes being like the, the you know, capstones on like every everyone's individual story. And I and I really like that. And um, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the classroom scene should have been in there somewhere or something like that. And it's and then it's, you know, more part of the, the wrap up than than the third act. But it just felt like a really abbreviated, you know, third act or fifth act or whatever it was to have him you know, walking the grounds at NASA and going yeah, to teach yeah. class. Like how the hell did they get through all these other obstacles here? Yeah. You know? Were you, were you as surprised as I was to see Martinez back? He, he just joined the next, like every, all of them are like, we're staying put, but he's like, he jumps back in on the next mission. Yeah. They show good. him right away. I was like, Oh my God, he's, he's hardcore. Well, and I, what, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, wasn't, was he not the character that said, you know, 900 days in space is enough for a lifetime. Or was that one of the other guys? Oh, God, I think it was him. It seems like something he said. It was either him or Sebastian Stan. It was yeah. one of those two guys. I, I think you're right. I think it might have been Sebastian Stan. Because the, um, uh, you know, it, it comes up when, when um, uh, Lewis mentions that they could be court-martialed because they're um, military officers, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that they, you know, if they, if they do this, if they enact this plan without NASA's permission – what happens. And, um, I don't know. It was just, uh, man, there were just so, there's so many good details in it. Yeah. So why, why that truncated ending? But that said, I think that is just such a nitpicky thing because it was so exhausting watching him get rescued in those yeah. last moments that yeah. I didn't, I did just, I didn't want to see more emergencies after that, you know, yeah, well, that's true. Too. as an audience member, I was like, that was, <laughs> you know, like fun. what else could go wrong? Yeah, well, part true. of me too, part of me too had a flashback. I mean, the scene where he's getting all tangled up in the thing, did you not in- instantly have a flashback to gravity? I mean, it was almost oh, a shot oh, for God. shot yeah. remake. I'm just like, Holy crap. This is like, and we learned from gravity that that's where everything starts going wrong. I was just oh, like, my oh. God. I was so happy that the movie didn't go to those places and make it more of a disaster than it already was. And that was part of that, like, 
how well it was done. Like, yeah, there was enough tension in that scene that nobody needed to break off and float away into space or something. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, when they were setting the bomb to blow the the back of the craft off or the front of the craft or however they did it, <clears throat> I was so afraid. Like, oh, you know, this guy's going to get blown up, and that's going to be the. Oh, I thought no, I thought Lou, I thought it was going to be Lewis because. Oh yeah, I thought she was just going to float away. <laughs> where she was like, she's like, this is my. She's like, this is my call. You guys don't have anything to say, but I'm like, oh man, this is like traditional, like leader sacrificing themselves sort of language here. And I, I was, and as soon as the, as soon as she tried to catch him, I was like, oh shit, she's going to. Yeah. And there was a, there was sort of a subtext going the whole time of her guilt for leaving him behind. Yeah, and I'm just like maybe that's sort of where this is headed, where she sacrifices himself for him, and it's you know because because the whole time you're like he's got to survive, like the whole movie can't be all this shit happens to him and he dies, like that would be no one wants to see that. So it's yeah, he's got to survive. So you're like if that's the case, then somebody else might have to die. Who's gonna be, who's it gonna be? And I'm I'm glad they didn't go that way. Like to your point, like I'm glad. They're like, you know, they they push the tension to the absolute last minute and they're like, okay, and now we're good. And here's everybody back on earth and we're good. And, you know, even little things like, um, Kate, uh, Kate Mara's character and Sebastian Stan, you know, like they have a kid together and it's like, they don't, you know, they don't beat you over the head with it. They're just like, oh, and by the way, this happened and this happened. And like little things that, you know, you saw, they hinted at were like, they kind of follow through at, you know, at the very end of that yeah. little, that little tag. So, yeah, it was amazingly well done i mean I, I i wish i had a more intelligent uh cap to our own podcast but it was just <clears throat> you know i loved every minute of it it was it was great yeah i i agree i agree i can't wait to see it on uh dvd when it comes out again or just you know on vod i should say at this point when it comes yeah. out again and now uh, i've i've definitely got to see contact i know that was part of my oh my god dude you've got a it's not it's not the same movie at all, but it's got a lot of the same realism yeah. that you liked about the Martian. It's it's prevalent and kind like you see the bureaucracy of how this would have actually Yeah. In fact, if more than anything, you see the bureaucracy of how, you know, one woman's sort of vision could be co-opted by all these different people and like how the world would, you know, unite around this cause, but there'd still be all these hiccups and like what, you know, what threats actually exist. It's it's so realistic in that in that sense. Um that's I mean that's one of the reasons I go back to it all all these times. But there's this as it gets closer and closer to the end. I mean it gets a little bit more fantastical as it gets closer to the end. But there's a, I don't know it just it stays and then it stays. I think the ending of Contact is probably this, its strongest its strongest part because it doesn't just end with you know she goes into space and hooray. It it ends with like a government inquiry, right? Uh, you know and you're, and that's you know, that's not a spoiler. It's it's it, it, there's it ends with this whole like inquiry that that. It, it's not like a, you know, it's not like a warm, fuzzy kind of feeling. I mean, it kind of is, but it's, it's very much like this is what would happen in the real world. Like this, they would put her through this too, you know. So I don't know. There's just there's a lot to there's a lot to digest there. Yeah. Anyway, I I think we could put a, a pin in that right now. Yeah. On that note. Yeah. Let's, on that uh, note. <laughs> yeah. Go see. Well, if you've listened this far, hopefully you've seen The Martian. Um, it it is it's so good. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah, I'm super happy that it went. Despite cool. my ambivalence earlier. Yeah, man. Well, now we got next net coming up. We not not in terms of podcasts, but in terms of movies. We got Steve Jobs. We got Spectre. We got Hunger Games. Yeah. We have got Star Wars. We have got like this is gonna be a it's kind of the beginning of a, a busy fall movie season. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. that's true. I'm excited for it. So anyway, I think let's uh, let's just sign off. I guess that we'll, sounds good. If we'll you see. missed it before, we're at toddandtaylor.com. I'm at hey todd a. He is at Taylor Trask um, on Twitter, that is. And uh, 
go to toddandtaylor.com and check out some of our other episodes if you haven't. Yeah, so. check out check out stuff and let us know what you think, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Later.